Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. You are listening to The Bird Calls. For more breakdowns on the Pelicans, including interviews with coaches, journalists, and opposing experts, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. What's up, Pels fans? Welcome to a special Alfred Payton edition of The Bird Calls. I'm your host and credentialed member of the Orlando Magic Media, uh, contributor to OrlandoPinstripePost.com, as well as TheBirdRights.com. And of course, you guys are hearing this on The Bird Calls podcast. I'm Preston Ellis. First up, joining me is the editor-in-chief to the said BirdRights.com, Mr. Ali Cosell. You recoup from Vegas yet, sir? Not really, because I still don't have a kitchen. <laughs> the renovations aren't... <laughs> As far along as I'd like them to be. So I'm still kind of all turned around. I was going to say, you sounded kind of exhausted on our last podcast that we just... When it comes to investing in innovation, trust the experts. RoboGlobal provides laser-focused investment portfolios that deliver access to robotics, AI, and healthcare innovation globally. The HTech portfolio captures the technologies transforming the medical space, providing unique exposure to best-in-class companies. Investors, turn to this diversified approach backed by research from the experts. Learn more today at RoboGlobal.com HTEC. Did. Uh, so I hope you're hanging in there, sir. I, I saw some of the work you did. Very impressive. And it's only going to get better. So hang in there. We're also joined by the man that I was just prefacing, our Alfred Payton expert, editor-in-chief to OrlandoMagicDaily.com, as well as host to Locked On Magic, Mr. Philip Rossman-Reich. Thank you for joining us, sir. I, I appreciate being called an Alfred Payton expert. Uh, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't realize such a title existed. I am dubbing him that because I know that he went to probably uh, a uh, close to about a hundred of El- Alfred Payton's games in the Orlando Magic area, being a credentialed member of the media at the Amway Center. And the reason I brought you here, Philip, obviously the Pelicans have a lot of their hope and trust put into this guy who quite possibly at this moment in time could be the opening day starter for the New Orleans Pelicans. It's probably between him and Ian Clark at this point, and I'm sure that'll be a, a training camp battle that we'll want to keep our watchful eyes on. But before we get into some of the, the the basics of Alfred Payton, his game, and what Pelicans fans can expect from him, just give an impression of his overall time and his three and a half years of your coverage in Orlando. Uh, I mean, I think... Ultimately, the, the, the three and a half years that Alfred Payton spent in Orlando were, were disappointing in some way. Um, Orlando didn't, I think 
people mischaracterize how much the Magic gave up to draft him in, in the 2014 draft, but the Magic did give up some some pieces to get him. They, they gave up uh, the draft pick that became Dario Saric, as well as a first-round pick that was Philadelphia's anyway that they were probably never going to get. Um, but Orlando put a lot of their, their hopes into Alfred Payton. Um, their GM defended Alfred Payton over the coach, Scott Skiles, who would eventually resign, over a lot of people who were just like, this Alfred Payton, Victor Oladipo backcourt will not work. There's just not enough shooting. And then it seemed like Payton was the guy that always survived. And and it wasn't that Payton was a bad player. I, I, I don't want to characterize him that way, but he never seemed to deliver what the Magic needed him to deliver. Um, I, I think his shooting was less of an issue than people make it. It was an issue, but it wasn't a big the biggest issue with him. Um, he was supposed to come in as a great defender. And he never really developed into that. And, you know, it was you watch him, he'd put up great numbers. You'd be really excited about the numbers he put up. And then you'd look at the box score. You'd look at the final score and say, oh, the Magic lost again. And, and I don't think that all falls on Alfred Payton, obviously. But um, it, it just never felt like he took that next step that he needed to. And, and that's ultimately why I think Magic moved on from him. Philip, i got a good question for you, and, and let's talk. continue talking about his defense. I don't understand why it did stagnate. Why did he not learn how to play simple pick-and-roll coverage in the NBA? Why did he learn to gamble so much? And can you attribute this more to him and his, being his fault, or can you attribute it to the lack of coaching uh, you know, behind him, whether it was um, with uh, Scott Skiles or whoever else that was you know, assistant development coach was in his corner? Where do you place most of the blame for his lack of defensive uh, development? Yeah, you know, I, I I really can't put my finger on why it didn't work out for Alfred Payton defensively because, I mean, coming out of college, he won the Lefty Drizel Award as the nation's top defender. So he, he clearly had some defensive ability, but for whatever reason, whether, I mean, Jacques Vaughn was the head coach's first year. That didn't really work out. Um, Scott Skiles followed, and Skiles was a defensive hard ass. Um, excuse the language there, if that, if that matters, but um Skiles Skiles you needed to defend to play for Scott Skiles and for whatever reason uh, and I think even Victor Oladipo had this problem so it might have just been just a poor organizational culture that that no coach could have fixed um they would just die on screens and and Nikola Vucevic not a great defensive center um he's he's not someone that's going to step up and 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 deter the player to, to to stop the pressure he's someone that drops back to catch whatever's coming at him and so the guard has to get over that screen or get around that screen. And for whatever reason, Peyton just was not able to get around that screen or use his length to get around that screen. Um, it, when it kind of came down to it, and, and Vogel, of course, also a defensive-minded coach, couldn't coax the defense out of him. Um, and, you know, he goes to Phoenix then, and Phoenix didn't really have a defensive culture to begin with either. So I think Peyton, he could, I mean, he's got the talent. He could turn things around defensively under the right system. Um, but it, it just never really came together. And, and I don't think any of us really know why. And it may just be, he's, you know, kind of a passive guy. I mean, he's a quiet, he's a quiet guy to begin with. Um, but it, it just, it just never worked out for him for some, for, for whatever reason. And it, it's still kind of confusing, the most confusing thing about his career. I'm going to keep pushing you on this, Philip, because a lot of the talk in New Orleans right now is, uh, like you just said, a bad culture, a bad situation. This guy's never been on a winning team. He's never been with winning players being in Orlando in his brief 20-game stint in Phoenix. That that started out uh, with so much fun, two triple-doubles in a row, and then uh, fell quite quite quickly. 
Uh, so now he's he's in position on a team with the right culture, a team that finished top five defensively after DeMarcus Cousins went down. And he's being in a position where he's paired next to Drew Holiday, uh, a first team NBA all defender. He's got Anthony Davis patrolling the paint. Uh, he's going to have some version of Nikola Meritich, who was great defensively last year, and Julius Randle, who we haven't yet seen in New Orleans, but we have very high hopes for. And then, of course, you've got other capable defenders in Etwan Moore, possibly Solomon Hill. What about the, the New Orleans Pelicans culture do you think could help Alfred Payton and possibly turn him into that player that Orlando was hoping they drafted? Um, I think a big thing, having a defensive uh, a defensive center or rim-protecting center behind him is going to help a lot. Um, if, I mean, Anthony Davis being behind him, um, I think he'll help erase a lot of mistakes. I mean, for, for better or for worse, Orlando just, they didn't have a lot of good defenders around him. I mean, Vucevic, not a good defensive center. So if a guard's coming around the screen, it's over. I mean, Vucevic is, is going to do what he can do, but he's not going to be able to stop that very, very effectively. Um, you know, same thing kind of happened in Phoenix uh, where they didn't have a lot of great perimeter players to help them out. Um, there, there really was no way for the Magic to hide Alfred Payton because Oladipo did a lot of the same gambling mistakes that that, that you could attribute Payton to while he was in Orlando and, and he'd get eaten up on screens. Um, Gordon wasn't quite there, wasn't quite developed yet and, and they wanted him playing the four more than the three at the time. Um, Fournier is not a great defender. Um, so having better defenders around him, you're going to be able to hide Peyton a little bit better. Um, but, uh, you know, again, if, if you're asking Peyton to guard that the top point guard on the other team, you're going to be scrambling to cover for him, I think, and, and, and figure out how to cover for him defensively. So um, I think having better defenders obviously helps um, because they'll cover. And, and, and obviously, I think another problem that, that the Magic have had in general is – when you're not winning, your motivation to do the little things goes away very, very quickly. And I think that's been a, a major problem for Orlando. So, you know, if you're New Orleans, you're fighting for a playoff spot, your motivation to, to sacrifice and do the little things that you have to do to, to go through a little bit of pain becomes worth it to, to get that, to get those wins and to, and to compete for a playoff spot. And I think that's, that's definitely something that could change for Peyton playing in New Orleans. One positive I want to ask you about, Philip, and you kind of touched on this, was uh, the fact that maybe his uh, poor outside shooting has been a bit overblown. And when you know when you look at his statistics, specifically his true shooting percentages, each year in Orlando they improved. As toward his final season, last 44 games in Orlando, he had a, a 56.4 uh, true shooting percentage. And you know what? Only our, uh, let, Let's take a good shooter, for example. I'm looking at Mike Conley right now, his statistics. Only once in Mike Conley's career has he gone over that percentage of 56 point four percent and that was a couple of years ago where he shot 60.4 percent so in basically referencing this does that kind of show in detail just how much that three-point shooting which honestly we should attribute some success Peyton did shoot 37.3 percent with the magic last season but is he able to get away with having almost like a rondo-like career because he does do enough can score efficiently enough in other parts of the floor yeah, I, I absolutely think so. I mean, it really, the difference between Peyton and Rondo to me is is Rondo's defense and 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 really his kind of leadership as as, as a point guard. Um, Peyton, I think he he can put up numbers. He'll he'll put up triple doubles. He'll flirt with triple doubles all year long. Um, that's that's part of who he is. What he's really good at, I think, is teams know, and I think Rondo's really good at this too. Um, teams know that he's not going to shoot the ball. That he's not looking to shoot. And so Peyton gets has gotten really good at taking the space that that defenders give him and hitting floaters and getting into the paint and working his way around players 
inside the lane. I, I think that that Peyton got better and better and better at that each year. And and he even got better, I think, at, at selectively shooting three-pointers. I mean, that 37.3% three-point shooting that he had with the Magic came on, uh, I mean, I got in front of him, he came on one and a half attempts per game. He only took open three-pointers when it was comfortable for him. Otherwise, he was going to look to drive. And, and when he's driving, he's a really gifted passer. He's got great vision. He's got a good floater game. He's, he's really good in between and getting it up and around bigger players. Um, and so his offensive game, I think, is really strong. Like he's a guy that's going to going to get assists. He's a great rebounder for a guard, and he's gonna he's gonna score when he's when he's driving and attacking. Um, so it, he does a lot of really good things offensively uh, that that I think people kind of look past because of the sh- the three point shooting numbers, which which aren't good. Now, Philip, let's keep talking about you were saying uh, how how capable and intelligent he is uh, in his passing when he's collapsing towards the basket. Some of the numbers in front of us, uh, within five feet, he took over 50% of his shots. I'm guessing I'm going to say it's about 55% of his shots. Uh, 62.5% uh, on those shots. He's somebody who is aggressive and can be very effective when he drives to the rim. What what would you say about how aggressive is he? How often per game do you think he takes that drive? Is he somebody who becomes passive at times, or is he a relentless rim attacker? I, I think he does become passive at times. And and, and when you talk to when you talk to him, he's you know off the court. He's kind of a shy, reserved guy. You know he's you know I, I know he's from New Orleans, so maybe he'll be a little bit more comfortable, a little bit willing to kind of break out of his shell a little bit uh, over there. But he's he definitely. You know, it, it it always felt like in Orlando that he never really took complete control of the team, even though the Magic christened him the point guard point guard of the team very early on in his career, uh, and, and he really had that starter spot locked down. Um, I, I think that I, I really think that that Peyton could stand to be a little bit more aggressive. Um, not that not necessarily look for his own shot so much, but look to to to, to lead the team a little bit a little bit more or. Or, or kind of get people in the right spots. And I think that was another thing that was really missing from him was he really wasn't a, a, a fantastic leader from the point guard spot. It, it always felt like he was kind of, he wasn't initiating enough offense or initiating enough things for Orlando that I thought that, that, that the team really could use from someone who, who had a lot of trust put into him. And so, um, you know, I, I think that he'll, he'll, when you give him the ball, give him the lane to drive when the play's called for him, he'll run the play and do all that. But otherwise I think he's content to kind of let others take control. And I, and, and especially in Orlando where there wasn't another great ball handler or another great creator that proved to be a big problem. All right, Philip, I've got the biggest question I've been wanting to ask right here. And a lot of Pelicans fans are really adhering to this one. It, how much do you buy into the argument that by simply going to a winning team with a, with a winning culture, relatively new of course but still surrounded by two very good players one that's a possible mvp and defensive player of the year candidate of course in anthony davis how much do you think being around these guys is just going to simply elevate his game to another level i i I thought you're going to ask about the hair and and whether that that was going to change his shooting (laughs) um but uh but um you know being with good players will undoubtedly elevate your game um it's just a matter of space um and attention when Anthony Davis has the ball, when Anthony Davis sets a screen and starts rolling, the defense has to account for him, you know, certainly in a way that they never did with Nikola Vucevic, uh, even with Vucevic popping. I mean, I think at a certain point, teams just preferred Nikola Vucevic to pop for a mid-range, ju- mid-range jumper. And they were like, if he makes that, fine. If he did, 
if he makes it fine, we'd rather give that shot up than anything else. Um, Peyton has never played with someone who will have the gravity that Anthony Davis has. Um, he's never played really with another guard quite like Drew Holiday. And so I think inevitably that's going to create more space for him to attack, for him to get to the basket and probably create more space for him to get the pass back out to some of those other shooters that, that the Pelicans have or back out to Holiday or, or to the rim to, to Davis. Um, I think it will help accentuate a lot of the skills that Peyton has. And, you know, it, it goes without saying playing with better players makes the role players a lot better. All right, we'll wrap up with this one, Philip. Thank you again so much for your time. Uh, obviously, with everything that's happened this past season with Victor Oladipo, uh, in regards to that Serge Ibaka trade that sent him to Oklahoma City and now to Indiana, Magic fans were very worried heading into this offseason that the, a similar thing might happen with Aaron Gordon, where he might sign with Indiana and follow that Victor Oladipo line of succession to the All-Star game to, to reaching their potential and driving Orlando Magic fans into a darker and darker uh, place. <laughs> So when it when it comes to Alfred Payton, how concerned are you as a, a Magic reporter at this point in time that losing out on Alfred Payton is going to come back to bite Magic fans? You know, I I, I don't think it will. Um, you know, I think when Payton had those two big games right after the trade in Phoenix, you know, it was like okay, he scored forty points. I mean, he got to the basket. We knew we knew he could do all those things, but. How much? How many did Steph Curry have? How much did the the did the the Suns end up winning by? Oh, they didn't win. They lost. Um, okay. Uh, you know, it. Peyton, I think, is an NBA player, and and I was surprised to see him sign for so little. I thought that he still had a little bit of value around the league. Um, but he's not a starting point guard. Um, I think the Magic gave him every opportunity, and and maybe not the most ideal situation for Peyton that they gave him every opportunity to succeed at that point guard position. Really the only way Peyton is going to make magic fans regret is regret trading him is if he suddenly becomes the defensive ace that the magic thought he'd be when they drafted him. Um, If that, if that happens, then yeah, it's going to be like, how did this happen? How did the magic let another solid player get away? But it's been, four years now in the league and Peyton hasn't done it at a certain point, you are the player that you are. You can maybe make some marginal improvements. Peyton can certainly still make some marginal improvements, but you have to kind of accept some of those shortcomings. And and I kind of think that was, I I kind of think that's what's happened with Peyton and and, and he's going to have to settle in as a backup point guard who can do some spot starting when we need it. Ali, anything to add? No, that sounds good, man. Thank you, Philip, for everything. Cause we, we've got so many questions. We got a lot of people, in Pelicans Nation, really excited by, you know, Alfred Payton's coming over, the numbers are comparable to Rondo, but this guy's younger. So we're just trying to, you know, throw some caution in the wind with this signing as compared to <laughs> Randall. It looks more positive. So thank you. Yeah, you explained everything well. I think what Ali's saying is that you are going to regret it, Philip. Uh, <laughs> Probably. You- I mean, the magic, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm at this point, you know, everyone that, I mean, if, if, if more players are leaving the magic and succeeding elsewhere, and that's on the magic, not on the players. So, I mean, uh, the magic can fix that problem, I think, with, with the new management they've got. So I'm, I'm less concerned about that because it's like the guy you need to blame, he's gone. He got fired. So now it's about figuring out how to move forward. So, 
Definitely. You guys have been listening to Philip Rossman Reich, editor to OrlandoMagicDaily.com and host to Locked On Magic. You can follow him at Philip RR underscore OMD. And of course, you also have been listening to Ali Cosell. Follow him at Ali Cosell, TheBirdRights.com. Philip, tell our listeners a bit about your work and where they can find you beyond what I just explained and, and what things you might uh, think uh, might be worth their time. Yeah, um, obviously, I'm the, the expert and side editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Uh, we're a website covering the Orlando Magic uh, uh, every day, obviously, um, but uh, doing a lot of stuff. We're still wrapping up Summer League right now. I've got an article up on Melvin Frazier Jr. and and his and what, what he hopes to accomplish and, and and a little bit more about him, um, obviously, a New Orleans guy, so that might be of interest to to, to some of the, the listeners for, for the bird calls and, the, and readers at the bird rights. Um, you can also listen to my podcast. I host a daily Orlando Magic podcast, Locked on Magic. Um, uh, that'll still be going daily at least this week. We're probably going to scale back a little bit as, as we dip into the summer a little bit more here um, and things begin to slow down. But um, once the season kicks up again, I'll be you know doing daily podcasts, breaking down everything with the Orlando Magic, recapping games, talking about uh, the big issues facing the team uh, and, and all that good stuff. So definitely check that out. All right. Thanks so much for your time, Philip. We're going to continue right along with our podcast. You can stick with us with uh, if you want, or you can head on out and take care of some of this work that you have in front of you. Okay. So we're we're going back to our friend Solomon, who's got some great questions for us. And the first thing he said, uh, as it relates to everything Philip Rossman Reich was just saying, he says, Rondo is gone. How much faith do you guys have in Peyton's basketball IQ to change or call the right plays in a game? Ali, based mm-hmm. on everything we just heard, do you feel more or less confident about Alfred Payton quarterbacking our offense? Oh, that's a tough question to answer. And I'm still trying to figure it out because this week, press, I'm going fully in-depth on both Randall and Payton. And I've started looking at stuff over the last 24 hours. That gives a lot of hope, but also raises a lot of eyebrows. And I'm a little worried. And this is especially true of Payton. Um, I think that what we can expect is we're going to have a guy that's going to be a competent point guard who does have the ability to score off the dribble, go ahead and help us in the rebounding department, and, of course, get some easy baskets for other guys. The question is, can he maintain and run an offense, say, in important stretches when the Pelicans are struggling, or, say, our superstars, let's say both of them are off the court, and I'm talking about Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis, or maybe at the end of game situations, how confident is he? How confident will the team be in him? So there's a ton of questions. And right now you've got to kind of lean towards no, because he doesn't have big game experience. He has nowhere near the experience of what Rondo did, that, that all those accomplishments and, and such. So I think I'm, you know, you have to be cautiously optimistic at this point. The numbers are kind of there. You hope that he can latch on to this system, which he sounds like he's already learning. So that's great news. He's got still months and months uh, before training camp kicks off. So he can keep looking over footage, working out with our players, practicing on his own. There's a lot of things he can do to improve his situation. And, um, yeah, I mean, you don't want to give this guy too much. The question is, I think the biggest question, Preston, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, do you think he will be a starter uh, for this team? And do you think um, that's the right move? I, I'm personally, I'm leaning towards he should be given every chance to start. I, I'm going to defer to you on that one. I will say that I would be most comfortable watching Ian Clark get the first crack at it. Just uh, he's he's got that veteran leadership about him. He's been here. He knows the system. Uh, and and with Alfred Payton's history, you just don't want to put him in a position to fail to lose confidence. I think initially bring him off the bench. 
kind of like how the Pelicans started Dante Cunningham early the first week last season and then pulled the plug pretty quickly, inserting inserting Etwan Moore into the lineup, and that was pretty effective for the Pelicans. I think that's something that you do with Ian Clark, and you see how Ian Clark manages the offense, how he's able to play off of uh, Drew Holiday defensively. And then you bring Alfred Payton slowly along. You let him quarterback the second unit, let him get his usage up, get comfortable, uh, manage his way into the offense with shooters like Darius Miller on the wing, as well as Nico Meritich, uh, so that he can crack the defense and kind of kick it open to those shooters. Uh, that would be my best bet. But like you said, it does seem like all indicators point to him managing the starting unit with Ian Clark as your fulcrum off the bench. Um I, I honestly wouldn't have a problem with either, but if it was my preference, I would start him at the six-man position and then in a couple of weeks' time, see how effective he can be. Of course, in those spurts, whether you come off the bench or whether you start, there are going to be instances where you're playing with Drew Holiday and with Anthony uh, Davis and just see how those guys uh, play off of each other and then make a decision from there because uh, there's no telling just how much information you can get from training camp or uh, from exhibition games. Uh but you're right. It, it does seem like he does have the skill set that's very similar to Rondo's. And like Philip just said, uh, you've got Drew Holiday there who can who can mitigate his mistakes defensively. So it seems like he will be put in a position to succeed. So I'm I'm kind of just talking around myself. But I, I I hope that Ian Clark, just based on um, his time with the team, gets the first shot. Let's go to our second question. He says, AD doesn't like playing center. Are the Pelicans going to go with Peyton, Drew, Nico, Randall, Anthony Davis in their starting lineup? Uh, this is an interesting question and one that we've been debating all offseason already. Uh, Ali, I really like the way that Nico fit next to Anthony Davis in the starting lineup. But as we discussed before, Randall's not coming to New Orleans to come off the bench. So how do you fix this situation? Well, I think without a doubt, Meritich is going to be the one coming off the bench. But Anthony Davis is going to be stuck at center. But again, this doesn't mean that every time down the floor, he's going to be responsible with banging with the uh, opposing team center. As we saw last season, Nikola Miritich guarded a lot of fives. And uh, I specifically remember him banging with Mark Gasol and a few other guys that were a lot bigger. And so he actually held his ground pretty well. And that kept Anthony Davis a little bit healthier, a little bit playing more off the ball. And I think that's what the Pelicans like. They prefer that he's kind of there as the last line of defense. Um, so I think whether you start Randall or Miritich, it doesn't really matter because those guys both have enough size to guard a lot of fives, even starting fives in this league. That's where it'll keep AD on, on a lot of fours for at least maybe half the time. So I don't think that's a real big problem for the Pelicans coming in this season. They've got really three versatile big guys that can alternate between the four and the five enough to where they'll make it successful. So logistically, it it obviously makes a lot of sense to bring Meritich off the bench. But something that you spoke about on previous podcasts, uh, Meritich is obviously going to be an unrestricted free agent this summer. And the Pelicans probably desperately want to bring him back. And you've mentioned on previous podcasts that although they play the same number of minutes, starting does matter to these players. These players do want to be in that starting lineup. How much do you think that role might might affect Nikola Meritich's free agency? I think maybe a little bit, but I think at the end of the day, Meritich, you know, and just talking to him in his limited time so far here in New Orleans, he was so happy to be winning, Preston. This guy was so ec- ecstatic over that 10-game winning streak. Then obviously the highs of going into the postseason, making the playoffs, then going in and sweeping the uh, Trailblazers. He had one of the biggest grins around, whether it was in practice or in the locker rooms after these games, these wins. So I think, honestly, for him, after spending his entire career in Chicago, playing at first for 
a coach, you know, Coach Tibbs, a very uh, domineering kind of style of coaching as to where young guys and rookies weren't given a fair shake. And then his role became a total, you know, who the hell knows what's going on because he still didn't become a starter even on a bad Bulls team. So he's just happy to finally get some footing on a good team, getting some wins, know his role. And that will be about a 30-minute um, role game or 30 minutes per game role and to where he'll probably see, if not, you know, I'll say the vast majority, he'll be finishing closing games. Because I truly do think that this Rondo Miritich AD lineup has a very good chance of being together on the floor, especially in closing minutes. The style of basketball kind of slows down in fourth quarters. Plus, all these guys have the versatility enough to switch for at least two, three, uh, and in AD's case, all five um, positions on the court. So I can really see them, you know, finishing off every uh, big win or close loss, whatever you have. He's going to be there in every situation. So I think that's all Miritich is looking for. Um, Granted, if the team was losing, everything was different, and there was some guy that was less – let's say less talented than him ahead of him in the starting lineup, then there will be some cause for alarm, cause for issue for him to switch teams. But with Randall and AD ahead of him, and like I said, the style play, and then the fact that they'll be able to, I think all three close games, yeah, he's not going to have any problems pressing at all moving forward if he does want to resign with New Orleans. It'll definitely be interesting to see how the three of these guys coexist on the floor at the at the same time. It'll definitely be something unique to New Orleans. Uh, the, the way that, that teams are going small across the NBA right now, seeing PJ Tucker uh, giving closing minutes at the five position to have all three of these guys at their size, able to chase out onto the perimeter might, might uh, throw a a wrench in the Western conference, not to say that they'll contend that leads us to this next question with Randall, with Miritich, with Anthony Davis to go along with Drew Holiday, Etwan Moore and Alfred Payton. Do you think the Pelicans have done enough to the roster to kind of maintain their position in the Western Conference where they finished as a sixth seed? Or do you still think they have more moves to make just to remain in that standing? I think they've done enough, Preston. And I think we got our answer when DeMarcus Cousins went down. We saw how well the team played in his absence. We saw how Drew Holiday accepted an additional role of responsibilities, taking that next step to where he's honestly a two-way star in this league. Um, of course, the question is, can he bring that back? Can he, after, you know, four months off, whatever it is, five months off, can he come back and be that same player? I am I tend to be a believer. And uh, again, with Anthony Davis, a top five player already on the team, you've just got to surround the team with excellent role players that fit. And I feel like the Pelicans did that with Randall and uh, Peyton. So again, you, you didn't have Cousins where the Pelicans played their best stretch over the final 28 games. And now suddenly you've got Randall. And then you're, you're just basically then flipping Philip or excuse me, Alfred Payton for a Rondo. And if he can just learn the system and not be such a, such a minus on defense, I see that working out as well. So yes, Preston, I think undoubtedly you've got a better team. And of course you got to mention Solomon Hill, right? If this guy comes back to what he was just two years ago, and that is basically being able to stay with almost anybody defensively and uh, just knock the occasional jump shot down, maybe grab the occasional rebound. The Pelicans are already in a much better situation than they were last season to end the season. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to ask you next. Uh, there's there's not a lot of help at that position at the small forward uh, with Paul Zipser and David Nwaba being the most recent additions to the free agent pool that can seemingly play that position. Other than that, it's going to come down to trades, possibly uh, the trade exceptions that the Pelicans still have on hand. Gun to your head, Ollie, when the regular season starts. Is Solomon Hill and Alexis Agenza still on the roster, 
or do you think the Pelicans uh, trade them for for some chip along with possibly their first round pick by then? I think they'll be at yeah. I think all those guys will be at the start of the season on the roster. I think Dell Demps will definitely do something before the trade deadline or earlier if, say, injuries strike the team and he has he's forced to act basically a lot more quickly. Um, again, I don't. Jens is going to be a trade piece at any point, no matter what, because he's in the contract. But again, he's only valued at five million, so you're not going to get a good enough player in return to where you want to attach a first round pick at that kind of price. So yes, you do need to send out another guy, and I think on everybody's list is Solomon Hill, but I wouldn't be surprised if, say, maybe each one more is a guy that gets traded. Um, I, I know how much you love him, and I, I truly do value what he does for the New Orleans Pelicans. He's an outstanding role player who can honestly fill in in a pinch as a starter, uh, who can put up 15 points a game, pretty much stay with his man defensively, despite the fact he's given away a few inches, a few pounds, and, of course, the athleticism. So, again, it would be hard to lose him, but I could see one of – a combination of those three players being shipped out at some point before the trade deadline, but closer to the trade deadline than the start of the season. Man, it seems like you and Kevin are almost have inside information that you're afraid to tell me with how frequently you guys are bringing up his name in, in trade talks. And he does have uh, the perfectly managed salary at around eight and, uh, eight and a half million per year, just over the next two years, a very movable contract, somebody who can give you playoff minutes, if not in the starting five, definitely in the eight man rotation. So I can see how he's movable. And of course I love his versatility. I love his shooting. Uh, but, but if it comes down to adding, adding some kind of player, I don't know who that player would be offhand uh, during the off season. We were, flirting with the idea of Wilson Chandler or a natural uh, starting small forward taking that position. Uh, yeah, person, here's the issue. Cause I feel like you're going to start Alfred Payton and they're going to start Julius Randall. So you can't start Solomon Hill. Can you, you've got three below average or not even below average three point shooters, but shooters that are not respected by opposing teams. And therefore they'll really collapse hard on Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis. Therefore that's why I feel like Solomon Hill's the expendable one. But each one more may, may be as well, because simply put, he was just at small forward out of necessity last season. And I know Alvin Gentry at the start of last year, when we were talking about possibly starting each one more three, he didn't like that idea. He honestly didn't want to start that small at that position. And, you know, we saw him. You mentioned Dante Cunningham started at the three to start the year. But, you know, there was times when each one more got really short running games or I think he was even replacing the starting lineup for a bit by somebody else, too. Uh, I, I think maybe just for a week or two earlier in the season. So I think, you know, the Pelicans have that hole and they're cognizant of it. So, I mean, w- what's your take on it? Let's, let's talk about the starting lineup. Who do you see starting? And do you uh, think Solomon Hill or each one more can be that three? I know we don't have Greg Popovich in new Orleans. The Spurs had more starting lineups last season than any other team. And he's somebody who liked tinkering, liked experimenting on a, on a nightly basis in San Antonio. I think they had something like 27 different starting lineups. And of course, a lot of those were attributed due to injuries and the Pelicans fared pretty well uh, as far as injuries go with the exception of DeMarcus cousins, uh, Salomon Hill was a blow, but Anthony Davis, Drew holiday uh, playing over 75 games each uh, was, was the big point to take away from that. I, I think it's difficult. As you just said, you, you can't have Solomon Hill and Alfred Payton on the floor at the same time. Uh, so you want to keep Etuan Moore out there if you've got an opposing wing at like an Evan Turner uh, style of player. But when you have somebody like Andrew Wiggins out there, we've seen these these taller uh, wing players like Kevin Durant just completely roast Etuan Moore with their size, just shooting directly over him. And I think in those instances, you have to bring Solomon Hill 
onto the floor. Um, hopefully he plays better than he did at the end of last year. But again, like you said, we're, we're hoping for the Solomon Hill who played in 2016 and 17, who really did a wonderful job of thwarting Kawhi Leonard late in the season, uh, Paul George as well, bodied up against those guys really well, was really effective. But if you do that, if you bring him into the starting lineup, you almost have to take Alfred Payton off the floor and add another degree of shooting. And so could there be some nights when the New Orleans Pelicans change not one, but two elements of their starting five to to match up with opposing teams, Ollie? I think that's a great idea because let's say you do um, start Solomon Hill. Therefore, you got to move, I guess, Drew Holiday um, either back to the one or you start Ian Clark alongside of him or you keep each one more in the starting lineup, right? So it's Drew Holiday, each one more next to Solomon Hill. I personally think this, and this is the way I'm looking, I think the Pelicans' best version of themselves next year, um, and I'm not including the Miritich, Randall, Davis ending lineup, whether it works or not. I'm, I'm looking at it being as Peyton, Holiday, Randall, and Davis. And so there's that missing three. And I don't think he's on the roster. So, again, this is only if Peyton actually shows up and does what's asked of him and, and isn't a liability anywhere on the court. If he does that, I think that's where the Pelicans have to, you know, they have to build off that blueprint. So, again, I don't think Etwan Moore is the right answer there. Solomon Hill's not the right answer. And obviously Darius Miller isn't either. So I think that the guy, you know, the unnamed guy here isn't on the roster. So that's what I'm looking at the most. All right. We'll leave that at TBD, a dot, dot, dot. Remember, you guys, if you like what you're hearing, please do us a favor and retweet this podcast. You guys can help us spread the word. And also, if you haven't done it already, uh, make sure to rate it on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast from. I think we've got somewhere around like, uh, I don't know, somewhere between 130 and 150,000 downloads. And we've only got 100 ratings. So we have less than a rating per thousand downloads. So if you guys could do us a favor, uh, open up your phone to the Apple Podcasts search the bird calls and rate us five stars. And then while you're at it, grab your neighbor's phone, grab your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your dad, your mom, your grandma's grab all their phones. Make sure you open up that app and give us a five-star rating. We really appreciate the support. Uh, again, Ali, you mentioned earlier, some of the stuff you're working on this week. Yeah, absolutely. I'm focusing on Randall and Peyton and I just want to see what these guys have done, what we can expect. Uh, how they compare, and ultimately how the team is going to fare overall with their inclusion, uh, playing big minutes on the New New Orleans Pelicans roster. So it's a whole bunch of different ideas that are going to be a bunch of different articles, but it's going to be the main theme. How are these guys going to really help, and can the Pelicans stay competitive and in the playoff hunt? All right. According to our group DM chat, it looks like Kevin, Ali, and I, and possibly Grub will be back for you guys on Thursday afternoon. So make sure you send in your questions by then. Uh, of course, I'm your host, Preston Ellis. Thank you guys for spending your time with us. Thank you again to Philip Rossman Reich of Locked On Magic. For now, let's go, pals. Hope you've enjoyed listening to the bird calls on OTG and nothing but net here on Dash Radio. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart.
much. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Geico presents Yikes. Another voicemail from your roommate. Sup, roomie? Hey, a pipe burst in the basement. It's completely flooded. Anyway, I called for someone to fix it, but in the meantime, I was thinking we could finally have that indoor pool party we've always wanted. I got some cool swan floaty things already going. Could you pick up some chips on your way home? Later. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected. Like if your roommate isn't the brightest pool float in the flooded basement. Visit GEICO.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance.